My name is Angela. My name is Nicole. And welcome to the Oministitch Podcast. Hello, Stitchers! Hey, everybody! Welcome to another amazing episode of the Ominous Stitch Podcast. Welcome back! Yay! Woo. Welcome back! I sing. I've sung that like every times. time. Every time. <laughs> Welcome back to spooky season. Uh, spooky season. My favorite. Happy Friday the Thirteenth, everybody! Ooh. I hope you guys all have a spooky Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> Uh, spooky but safe. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. Just <laughs> I'm like, like just spooky. The, the good kind of spooky, <laughs> where you're just like, ooh, yeah. What was that? That's kind of ominous. Mm, mm. Yep. Yeah. So, Angela, what's got you in stitches? So, okay, my oldest daughter just started junior high. You guys yes. know that. She had her first dance oh <laughs> i remember those times oh it's so cute and it's tech it's called the homecoming dance even though they don't have any sports like at her junior they high don't have a football team right <laughs> no no sports no 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 none of that it's so funny but yeah it's a homecoming homecoming dance for her junior high and you know i think they're just trying to get them ready for high school sure another fun fact is that it's it starts a half hour after school Oh, oh, it's right? like right after. It's oh, right after school. Okay, I so remember that happening three, too. 3.30 yeah. to 5.30 was her dance. Oh. Yeah, 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 right after school. I remember that. It was like everybody couldn't focus. Well, the girls at least because... The dance was right after school. Yeah. I remember that. And it's, it was semi-formal too. Exactly. So, You'd be in jeans. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so when I was dropping her off in the morning, because it's on a school night. So I was, it was Friday. So it was a Friday. So when I dropped her off at school, there were definitely kids showing up in like suits. Oh there my gosh. In suits. It was cute <laughs> because, you know, they're not going to be able to change after school. Ser oh. Yeah, so they're going to school in their suits. Oh, and that's hilarious. I didn't see any girls in their in their nice dresses or you oh. know, but I did see some some boys show up in suits. Because they're just like, I'm gonna wear it all day. Yeah. I would which do I that. I thought was so cute. I would totally do that. I'm like, man, I spend money on or my parents spend money on this. Might yeah. as well like get your money out of my it. My daughter I bought the most amazing outfit. Yes. First of all, it was like trying to talk her into going to the dance because she she was like, no, I don't want to go. None of my friends are going. And we're like, no, 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 you have to go. It's fun. Yeah. And we'll have fun. And then eventually her friends, I think her friend's parents all talked them into going too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they finally got a group going. And she, you know, we were talking about dresses and it's semi-formal and it's junior high and she's very modest. And yeah. she's like, and I was like, so, you know, if we get a dress for you, then so a lot of the dresses can be a little bit form fitting. They can also show off shoulders and she likes to stay covered. Mm -hmm. And so I was looking at her face because I was like, so we might have to get, you know, different undergarments for you that don't <laughs> show. Like, uh -uh. <laughs> she was like, no. And yeah. her face was turning white. Aww. And I'm like, oh, no. OK. All right. And I'm like, but we don't have to. We can find you something that, you know, helps you feel comfortable and confident sure. and covered. Yeah. She wound up finding this amazing hot pink suit yes it's so cool get it girl <laughs> i'm like i'm gonna borrow this are you kidding <laughs> me this is so cool so she wore, power suit. So she wore this hot pink power suit we did a high barbie ponytail oh. put little like 
little glitter stickers all over her. I and, love you know, it. Super cute. Good for her. So yeah. I and, love that about her. Yeah. She's awesome. She she's is. so much fun. And we were when she was trying on things to wear for the for the dance, we were out looking at outfits and we got we pulled out a couple of dresses because she liked the colors of them and she's like no mom this you know this are the thing was not feeling comfortable confident one of that dresses she wouldn't even come out of the dressing room (laughs) she's like nope nope I don't want to show you this one yeah and then we found some pantsuits and there was this really pretty Vera Wang one I was like ooh I want this And she was like, okay with it. And she was like, she's like, yeah, I like this. This is cool. I feel comfortable. I feel confident. I'm like, you look awesome, kid. Like get this pantsuit. But then we found the hot pink pink suit. (laughs) At first we just saw the jacket. I'm like, oh, this jacket's awesome. You can work with the Vera Wang pants and it would be awesome. Uh But then we saw the pants that went with it. And then we found this like white shirt that has like a big bow around the neck. (laughs) So it looks like this big bow tie, but it's part of the shirt. Uh So cute. That's awesome. She put that on and she's like, mom, this is it. She was so excited. That's so adorable. And she just couldn't stop talking. So I love it. Good. Yeah. Yay. That was so much fun. But like who has a dance at 3.30? 30 and like well, I mean, middle schoolers yeah that yeah sense. but I don't know it's just really interesting timing to you have to get her ready that fast in just a half oh. hour like woo, well, here see, we go that's why when we were in middle school we just go directly to the dance after class yeah right? but then so. you don't make it semi-formal exactly you, have to change. you just make it like you just it's like a I remember dance. when I was in junior high I would go to the dances in like t-shirt and shorts you know that's what I'm saying yeah, yeah. you don't change for it you just yeah no but this is like there's a dress code so for weird. this dance yeah I guess I don't know I don't know <laughs> I just find that normal weird for for middle school high yeah. school yeah high school yeah middle yeah. school I guess they're prepping them for it I but. don't know I don't know. I'm glad she chose her cool outfit. Though. Yeah, it's so cool. That's I awesome. love it. I'm so stealing it because <laughs> we're the same size. So. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm stealing it. Good for you. Yay. But that's what's got me in stitches. Nice. It's dancing. Dance. 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 Oh, what's got you in stitches, Nicole? Oh, I have the same along the lines of finding something to wear, but this is for Halloween. <laughs> oh, what are you going as? Yeah, so our work, we try to do a theme with our staff. We've got at least five staff members. And every year we have a theme and it's fun. Last year I was Captain Hook because we did. Yes, you were. Yeah. That was such a cute outfit. Yeah. I loved that. It was fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. and because we were Disney villains, right? Ooh. So we were toying around with so many different ideas. We, we thought of horror movie villains this time oh. yeah and at first I didn't want to be this character because I was like I don't want this in my closet <laughs> <laughs> but the more I thought about it the more I was like you know it's this perfect. actually would be fun because this is probably the one character I'm scared of more than any of the other characters uh-huh. so I'm so gonna be so fun to dress up as Pennywise ah! <laughs> clown <laughs> Of course, I'm my biggest fear. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I was looking at the the costume with my kids and they're like, you're going to be that? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> it's creepy. And like, okay. And then they're like, you know, mom, don't do not do the whole makeup. I go, why? It's like, because it's creepy. You can do the red part, but don't do the white part. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I still bought white and red from Target. Yes, so. That's awesome. That's awesome. I can't wait to see pictures. We'll have to post them on the socials. I will. You. Yeah, yeah. In your outfit. Yeah. Are you? Are, what are you going to be then? I don't know. I have to. I might borrow 
my daughter's pink power suit and just be Barbie for Halloween. We'll see. Sweet. Yeah. You can borrow my pirate costume if you want. <gasps> do you want it? I might. Okay. Yeah. Let me know. I, I do in my have a Halloween party that I'm going to that is I'm like nervous about because hello, oh. I'm antisocial and I'm going to a social <laughs> event. It's going to be fun and I'm excited for it. And it's, you know, just up the road from where I live. Our neighbors are hosting a, a big party for fun. kind of the whole neighborhood and all their Aww. friends. And they have this really cool mansion. Like it looks Ooh. like a Victorian mansion kind of thing. That's like out here in the middle of nowhere. That's so, so cool. Yeah. So I'm excited. To just, I just want to go see the house. I want to yeah. see what it looks like on the inside. I'm sure they'll decorate too. Oh, yes, they so do. They fun. decorate. Oh. They decorate. They're, they're very fun. So right on. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, I have to get a costume. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. You'll find something. Well, yeah. We'll but if you need to borrow something, I got tons because I love Halloween. I so. know you do. <laughs> oh, so fun. Well, I love October. Me too. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best month. But anyway, besides being your birthday. Yes. Um, but yeah, so today, <laughs> mm, Friday the 13th. Yes, we're diving into part two. Oh, of people eating people, people eating people, oh, but goodness. murdering people for it. So yeah, <sighs> that's going to be fun, but we're going to definitely do your stitch. Yeah. My stitch is really cool, but I do have some issues with some it. Qualms. So yeah, I do. I have some suggestions, but oh, we'll good. get there. Okay. So, well, why don't we get there now? Are yeah. we ready to get stitching? I think so. Let's get stitching. Okay, stitchers. So today's stitch comes from, let me see what her name is. What's M her name? Mushy. M-U-S-H-Y-Y. Mushy on YouTube. Mushy. Yes. And first of all, her voice is so soothing Ooh. and I love her accent and oh. I could just sit here and listen to her what kind of accent do crochet. I, I think it's Indian, Ooh. but I could just sit there and listen to her talk and tell me about crochet all day long. It's so soothing. I it's so that. nice and relaxing. So Mushy, you're awesome to listen to. It's so much fun. I, she has this wonderful crochet pumpkin stitch. Yes. And it's basically five puff stitches that, and then you kind of uh, do a single crochet together on the top to make them puff out and look like a pumpkin. Nice. And it's really cool. So you can find it on YouTube. Crochet Pumpkin Stitch Easy Tutorial by Mushy. M-U-S-H-Y-Y. Okay. And the pumpkins look really cool. It turns out really nice. My issue is on the sides. Uh-oh. So I think it can be better because it's a little bit unfinished on the sides. So if you follow yeah, her tutorial, that. there is no kind of commonality going up the side. So I feel like we need to do like if I think if we did a double crochet border oh, going yeah. up the sides yeah. and I would suggest maybe doing two extra double crochets um, before you start the pumpkin stitch. So that would so be that you four can grab more. Onto it. That would be four more double crochets so that you would have a border of a double crochet going up. Cause in that way on the sides, if you follow her tutorial, the pumpkins that hang out on the sides, don't really kind they don't really turn into pumpkins because there's nothing kind to, of squishing them yeah, together say, does that make sense that. yeah they're really wide they, they to get the really wide and stretched out because yeah. there's nothing like forming that edge for them to kind of push them and make them puff up like okay. a pumpkin yeah it's just kind of a stretched out 
Right. Right. So I think if you could do a border of double crochets and I would say do two double crochets and then start the pumpkin stitch and finish with two double crochets so that you have that kind of an edge that finishes it and fixes Mm -hmm. it all together. Another thing with the pattern that she does is that it's worked on the right side only. So you are cutting your yarn after every row. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Did I say wrong side? You work it on the right side only. Right side. You said right. right. I did. Okay. Okay. (laughs) My brain. (laughs) Okay. So it's worked on the right side only. You are cutting your yarn after every line, which is fine. That's totally fine, but you will have a bunch of ends. So trick with that is make sure that when you get close to the end you pull your end back in so that when you're stitching it on the right side you stitch over the end so you're sewing it in well, that makes I sense. didn't do that on mine because I, I did to. it I did yeah. it once on this one row you can see that I oh, did it there okay, okay. so I didn't think to do it because I you know I'm just I'm learning the tutorial trying to get it done so that I can have it to show Nicole for yeah. her recording days so um but other than that those are my my two suggestions when you're working just one side and make sure that so you don't have all these ends to sew in that you pull them back in and tuck them in and I think if you start each row with a double crochet and end each row with a double crochet that will make that pattern a lot uh, it, it'll give it a nice edge and a nice sure. finish no, it makes because sense. I don't know what I would use this sample that I made for because hmm. it's just not finished it on doesn't the edges, look finished right yeah. so I would I would maybe either curve it around and make it like a cuff Ooh. and maybe put a vase Ooh. or a coffee cup holder a Ooh. coffee like, you a mug your... yeah a coffee cup holder or something so that's what I that's would do cute. with this one so maybe I'll do that and maybe a lucky listener will get this yeah one of our patrons will get oh, this I love it we'll sew it together and make a little cuff and you can put it like on anything a, on a vase or on something and and have this little spooky vase like a holder pencil holder a pencil holder something yeah, yeah a little cool. pumpkin pencil holder yeah. that would be cute Aww. so we'll do that um just because the edging doesn't really come together and if I sew that together it'll work but other than that it's a beautiful puff stitch so basically what you do for the pumpkins is that you'll do five puff stitches in um so let me start the whole pattern <laughs> let me talk you through the whole pattern so you do um it, it's she has you chain nine and then you're going to do multiples of six after that and then when you get to whatever length you want after the multiple of six you're going to chain two and then you're going to in the fourth chain from the hook you're going to double crochet all your way back nice okay i would add two to that so that you can or add four to that i'm sorry so it would be another plus six at the end Mm. um so that you can do have that border of double crochet before you start the pumpkin stitches does that make sense right so six on the end but you want to skip all those that end all that four right because well so when you come back on the fourth chain that that chain three at the beginning is going to act as a double crochet and then double crochet all the way back got it yeah and so um when i followed her instructions i wound up with 33 double crochets along the bottom okay and then the first row you're using your green or whatever color you're using for your stem um and then you're going to you know chain three and then you're going to skip two chains double crochet chain three skip two chains double crochet so you have all these pockets of chain threes Mm -hmm. and in those pockets of chain threes are where you're going to do your puff stitches so you're going to do um five puff stitches 
five. So wow. Five. Five putt that's, stitches. That's a lot. So it's it's a yarn over, pull up a loop, yarn over, pull up a loop, yarn over, pull up a loop, yarn over, pull up a loop. So there's four of those. Mm-hmm. Yarn over, pull through all but the first loop on your hook, and then yarn over and pull through that first loop on your hook. Th- or yarn over, pull through two loops. That, mm-hmm. That's what it winds up being. So then you do five, and that's going to form your pumpkin. And then when you go back through on the next row with the pumpkin stitch, you're going to do um, four single crochet together. That's going to gather that pumpkin and Got form it. your stem and yeah. it makes it puff out. That's cool. Okay. And then you make like a, this really cool stem on top and you can see it right here that it's um, a chain four and then a treble crochet that makes this really fun little stem. And then you... There's, there's a whole bunch of steps that I'm not going to go through. You can watch your video and <laughs> go through all those <laughs> steps. But then, you know, with when you're doing the pumpkin tops, then you're making the next chain three spaces that you're going to put the, the next row of pumpkins on. Got it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, the pumpkins are just little, you know, five together puff stitches. That makes this really cool thing. So I like it. I would suggest adding the borders to it so that it gives it some more structure and make sure you fold your sides in Mm -hmm. so that you can crochet over them and then you aren't stuck sewing in all your ends yeah that's smart yeah good job but mushy m-u-s-h-y-y why 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 and her voice is so soothing and if you guys enjoy her voice let me know (laughs) it's like butter it's so nice i love it yeah cool but little pumpkins i love it it fits the season yeah it's the season good job and i I love your colors too thank you i think it would be fun like a sweater oh you make like a pumpkin sweater doing this I like that yeah that'd be cute I kind of I, I'd see it as a sweater if the pumpkins were a little bit more spread out I feel like they're a lot together they're it's a like lot a, together a very yeah clustered pumpkin. it is a very cluster <laughs> cluster pumpkins so it is but, but the colors are really cool yeah thank you yeah I know you always have trouble you say you have trouble but I, don't I do have right. trouble well I stole the colors from her oh she did <laughs> she did orange and white and yellow pumpkins it's and like an like, orange oh. yellow it's pretty yeah, 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 yeah. It's gold. Yeah. Good job. Thank you. I like your suggestions. Yeah. So if anybody does this. Yeah, let us know. We want to see. Send us pictures. You can send them to the ominousstitch at gmail.com or you can comment on any of our social medias. Yeah. And we and want to see we pictures promise of we'll, it. we'll demo some of ours. Yeah, we will get back to demoing. <laughs> it's been a, we, a while. You know, we've had a hot lot minute. going. <laughs> I know. It's been a hot minute. But we'll we'll get back on the demos. I promise. Yeah. We'll get back on we'll them. We'll get there. Yeah. But good job. Thank you. All right. So are we ready for story time? No. (laughs) Nobody's ever ready for story time. I'm sure you all are that have morbid, morbid brains and curiosities. Yeah. But let's get into it. Uh, It's story time. Story time. Part two of True Cannibal Stories. Hey, again, I forgot to do this at the beginning of this whole thing. Listener discretion advised. Yes, it is. Highly warned. Do not let your kids listen to this. This is insane. This is like beyond insane. So don't let little ones listen, please. Okay, with that, we're going to an intense and not for the faint of heart. If you're a true crime junkie, you probably know both of my cases I'm going to go into today. But it's coming from us, so it's a little different because <laughs> we're goofy, right? Yeah. Um, we're going to get into the gray man, also known as the werewolf of Wisteria, or Ooh. the Brooklyn vampire, or the moon maniac, or the boogeyman. The boogeyman. These are all 
his name. Dude, this guy, it sounds so scary and intense. He's scary. Uh. He's very scary. Hamilton Howard Fish was born May 19th, 1870. He was a Taurus. For y'all, you know. <laughs> I like that his name is Ham Fish. Ham Fish, yes. And we'll get into why ham that fish. is not going to be Ham Fish soon. No, he is Ham Fish. But ham like, fish. <laughs> those are two very different meats. meats but <laughs> but those are acceptable to eat. You can eat ham and you can eat fish. Yes, you can. You can't eat people, Mr. Ham Fish. Well... You didn't tell him early enough. Uh, well, yeah. I don't think I was alive when he was alive. So nope. thank God for that. But nope, not yeah. at all. Yeah. So he was born to Randall Fish, who was 75 at this Whoa, time. Whoa, Randall. And what? Ellen Francis Howell, who was 32. Oh, my God. Do that math, everybody. Yeah. This was in 40 years, <laughs> 40, 40 something, 40 plus. 43. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's almost my age. It is in between our it ages. It is in between our ages. Ew, 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 Gross. Yes. He was born in Washington, D.C. And he was the youngest of three living children. And note, Fish's family had a history of mental illness. His mother had oral and or visual hallucinations. His uncle was diagnosed with mania. One of his brothers was put into a state mental hospital. A paternal half-brother suffered from schizophrenia. And his sister Annie was diagnosed with a quote-unquote mental affliction. So the odds were stacked against him. Yeah, it seems like maybe they shouldn't have been reproducing in that family. That's a lot of... Uh, uh, Tale as old as time, Angela. Right, yeah. <laughs> now, five years after Fish was born, his father suffered a fatal heart attack in 1875. And because Ellen didn't know how to afford to raise her children at that point, she brought them to St. John's Orphanage in Washington. Not state, everybody. Washington, D.C. <laughs> I got to point that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no Washington. Now, sadly, he was frequently physically abused here mm. and was called ham and eggs. That was his nickname. Now, strangely fish began to look forward to the physical pain brought on by the beatings. He also changed his name to Albert after a dead sibling of his. So oh, wow. His name, Albert fish. Okay. By the age of 10 fish's mother found a government job and removed fish and his siblings from the orphanage. At this point, Fish found himself attracted to boys, and at the age of 12, he started dating a telegraph boy. But this boy turned Fish, ugh, warning, 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 onto some paraphilias. Do you know what a paraphilia is? No. It is a morbid sexual attraction that is not normal. Okay, so okay. these two were urolagnia and coprophagia. Coprophagia. So Angela... Yeah. Do you want to guess what urolagnia is? No. All right. So that is drinking urine. Oh. And coprophagia is eating feces. Oh wow. So these are these are sexual uh, uh, things that are different, right? Okay. Yeah. So fish would also watch boys undress at the local public baths, and as a side thing, he wrote obscene letters to women who had correspondences in classified advertising and matrimonial agencies. Fun. <laughs> fun. Oh, fun this, side thing. This, uh, He's mm. yeah, yeah. Then in 1890, fish at the ripe age of 20 moved to New York City, where he became a male prostitute, and at this point was known for molesting and raping boys 
mostly younger than the age of six. Oh. Yeah, I have uh, two boys, guys. This is not, I hated this whole uh, thing. So, yeah. Now, uh, eight years later, he was wed to Anna Mary Hoffman, 19, because his mother arranged the whole thing. They ended mm-hmm. up having six children together. Six. Wow. Yeah. Now, fast forward to 1910 when Fish met 19-year-old Thomas Bedden. Now, Wikipedia, guys, says Bedden and other sites state his name was Kedden. I don't exactly know his name, so I'm going to refer him to Thomas. Okay, so just heads okay. up. Now, he met him while working in Delaware. Even though Fish was still married at this time, Fish and Thomas started a sadomasochistic relationship. Mm. It is believed that Thomas was intellectually disabled. Mm. After dating for 10 days, Fish brought Thomas to an old farmhouse where he tied him up and tortured him for two weeks with the intention to kill him, cut his body up and bring him home. But (sighs) because it was August and thinking the hot weather would draw attention to the body... Okay, this is another warning. He ended up cutting off half his penis, pouring peroxide (gasps) on the wound, wrapping it up with the Vaseline handkerchief and said, peace. He just left him there. Uh, uh, Now, side note, I didn't mention this. He did go. He was brought to like a wax museum at one point before all this. Did see the dissection of half a penis and that got him very curious about. Yeah. Yeah. Dissecting and. Yeah, body parts, mutilation. So there you go. January 1917, Anna left fish for the handyman who was living at the fish home. Here's my thoughts. I think the handyman is the real dad of all the fish <laughs> Probably. Kids. Well, no, this is the crazy part. So Albert Fish did raise the children by himself as she never returned to see them. So she left them all in his care. Oh, my god. Yeah. Maybe they... Ew. But see, no, no, no. I'll okay. get to it. But he actually... Okay didn't touch his kids like he raised his kids <laughs> so that's the weird part um but she took everything so he was living in a home by like with nothing with these six kids but at this point fish's mental stability greatly diminished to the point where he at one point wrapped himself in a carpet and said he was following instructions of john the apostle how what yeah I don't know. He also, at this point, was heavily into self-mutilation, thrusting needles into his groin and abdomen, hitting himself with a nail-studded paddle, and even inserting wool doused with lighter fluid into his nether regions and lighting it on fire. Oh, my God. (laughs) And for what we know, he never physically harmed or abused his children, like I said. But he did encourage them and their friends to smack him in the uh, the butt with a nail-studded paddle he used on himself. And his kids were like, oh, okay. Uh, 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 Yeah, sure. My kids are not allowed to go play at his house, man. No, never. Oh, my gosh. On top of all of this... He started toying with the idea of cannibalism. He would even serve entire meals made of raw meat for his family in hopes to suppress the desire for human flesh. Mm. Now, I sound like Marge Simpson. <laughs> I've been making that noise a lot this podcast. Just, mm. I, well, what do you say to this? I you don't know? know. It's hard. It's, this is rough. Throughout this time, he was evaluated by psychiatric hospitals on a few occasions. Which, well, yeah. Good, but each time... He was declared sane and released back into society. He's obviously not sane. No, he's I don't not. understand. I don't. At this time, though, they 
I'm sure in modern times they would have been like, yeah, no, you stay here. Yeah. Don't you go back into society. But I don't know. In 1919, we know Fish stabbed an intellectually disabled boy in Georgetown. And sadly, he would target mentally disabled or African-American children because mm. he believed they would not be missed if he killed them. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> when he did start murdering victims, he used what was called his implements of hell. A meat cleaver, a butcher mm. knife, and a small handsaw. Mm. In 1924, <laughs> your <voice laughs> no, sounds, I, I know it. it's hard. <laughs> In 1924, Fish's psychosis kicked in more and still felt that God was commanding him to torture and sexually mutilate children. It's frailty. Gross. <laughs> Ew. No, it's not. Frailty was telling him to kill the murderers, not murder children. That's gross. Well, he but thinks God is telling him to murder kids. <laughs> yeah, that's not cool. Uh, yeah. Now, the following crimes were not discovered to be done by Fish until after he was arrested for a crime which I will discuss soon. But the first murder victim chronologically Fish was convicted for was of nine-year-old Francis McDonnell mm. in 1924. He failed to return home after playing with his friends in Stat Staten Island, so a search was organized. They found his body hanging by a tree in a wooded area near his home. Mm -hmm. Now, they found him strangled with his own suspenders and sexually assaulted. Oh. In his autopsy, there were lacerations to his legs and abdomen, and they even found his left hamstring almost entirely stripped of its flesh. Mm -hmm. Francis's friends told police they saw him being taken by an elderly man with a gray mustache. When this was told to Francis's mother, Anna, she recalled seeing the same man earlier, and she told reporters, he came shuffling down the street, mumbling to himself and making queer motions with his hands. I saw his thick gray hair and his drooping gray mustache. Everything about him seemed faded and gray, and thus... He was nicknamed as the Gray Man. Mm -hmm. In 1927, three-year-old Billy Beaton and his 12-year-old brother were playing in their apartment hallway in Brooklyn with four-year-old William or Billy Gaffney. The 12-year-old went back to his apartment, and when he came back out, both the little boys were gone. Mm. They were able to locate Billy Beaton on the roof, but couldn't find Billy Gaffney. When asked where he went, Beaton responded, the boogeyman took him. Gaffney's body was never found. Later, when Fish was arrested, Joseph Meehan, an operator on a Brooklyn trolley, recognized Fish's picture in a newspaper. He said he saw him February 11th, 1927, when he was on a trolley trying to quiet a little boy with him. The boy was crying for his mother and Fish was dragging him on and off the trolley. Meehan's description of the little boy was a match to Billy Gaffney. Three years old. And nobody like. Nobody said anything. Said anything. Yeah. While this kid is like, I want my mommy. I want my mommy. And this man is like dragging him around. Yeah. Nobody said anything. And now that's the hard part because you're in a big city and you're like, maybe he's a grandfather that's like trying to get him to places where his mom's doing. But you never know. That's you the hard part. You never know. But like if. if I, <sighs> I know. I feel like I would make. Well, you wouldn't make a call because I don't have phones in that time. Nope. But I feel like you, you would, would say something, say something, go get somebody that's in charge of wherever you're at and yep. say, hey, this kid is distressed. What's going on? I, 
or even I or might ask go the guy up and be like, like hey, hey you, is, is he okay? Yeah. You want some help? I mean, or, well, the guy is going to be like, yeah, the kid's okay. I right, would talk right. to the kid. Yeah. But, oh my gosh. Yeah, poor Billy. Now, when Frisch was approached about the abduction of Billy Gaffney by his mother, Elizabeth Gaffney, at the Sing Sing prison in New York later, he refused to talk to her. Fish, however, wrote a confession letter to his attorney. If you guys want to read it, you can find it online. But I really don't want to go into all the details because this whole case is already messy enough. The letter is so detailed and hard to fathom how Uh. someone could do such a thing. But to recap it, he took Billy to an abandoned house where he tortured and murdered the poor little boy then cut off most his body parts. He threw his head and limbs along a road going to North Beach where there were pools of water that were three to four feet deep. He then brought the other body parts home with him, cooked them, ate them as if it were a roast. Mm. The parts he couldn't chew, he discarded in the toilet. Now, I'm telling you, this letter is way more detailed and it it makes you, yeah, it's gross. Then in 1928, Fish found an advertisement in the Sunday edition of the New York World where 18-year-old Edward Budd was looking for a job in the country. He even listed his address in Manhattan, like gave the whole address. So Fish, under false pretenses of hiring Budd, went to visit the Budd family. He intended to torture and kill Edward. He promised to hire him and his friend and would send for them in a few days, but Fish did not show up. Fish then sent an apology telegram and said he'd be there at a later date and did come by, but met Edward's younger sister. Mm. 10-year-old Grace, or Gracie <gasps> Bud. No, he no. then I know. <laughs> he then had his sights set on her instead of her older brother and convinced her parents to let Gracie accompany him to a party for his quote-unquote niece's birthday that evening. They no, 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 approved. No, no. But Fish ended up taking her to an abandoned house he already picked out in Irvington, New York. Fish ended up strangling, decapitating, and dismembering Gracie and ate her entire body. This is Grace, by I'm the way. I'm going to cry. I don't like it. This is the like advertisement it. for her missing. Oh, why don't let your kids go with strangers, people? Seriously. You'd think oh. Fish would immediately be fingered, right, for her disappearance because she disappeared right after he took, he took her. her. Right. But strangely, no. This is the theme to all these stories. I don't understand this. He wasn't people. even an initial suspect. Why? He took her. Uh, I know. I can't even find what alibi he used. He was qu- to, like if he was questioned by the police, but they ended up arresting 66 year old superintendent Charles Edward Pope in 1930 because his estranged wife pointed the finger at him after spending. Oh my gosh. Yeah, after spending a hundred days and 108 days in jail, Pope was released because he was found not guilty. Duh. Now Gracie's case grew cold. Sadly. Mm-hmm. Then Fish made the mistake of sending an anonymous letter to Gracie's parents in 1934. Her mother was illiterate, and so she had her son read it. This is another letter I'd rather not read to you at all. Seriously, again, this is this guy is beyond off the rails. Um, but if you are morbidly curious, you can find it on the interwebs. So you go look for it if you want. But now, basically, again, I'm going to sum up some of this. 
Fish tells her he visited their home in June, on June 3rd, 1928, brought pot cheese and strawberries for lunch. Gracie even sat in his lap and kissed him. Mm. Right then and there, mm. he made up his mind to eat her and mm. came up with that party lie. Mm. And he took her to that abandoned home. And while Gracie was outside picking wildflowers, Fish undressed as to not get blood on him. He called her in and she was shocked to see his naked body. He grabbed her and strangled her while she put up a fight. He then cut her into small pieces, cooked them, and ate her body over the course of nine days. <laughs> and to cap it all off, as if to bring her family any sense of comfort after these horrendous details, he writes how he didn't have sex with her and she died a virgin. Yeah, he ended it with that. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's great. You, you ate her body. <laughs> now, what caught him? I can't even. I talk. know. I feel so sick. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. I know. This is a pretty <laughs> gross one. So what caught him? The envelope Fish used for the letter had a small hexagonal emblem with the letters NYPCBA, which stands for New York Private Chauffeurs Benevolent Association. When the police found the group's location, a janitor mentioned an employee had taken some envelopes home to his boarding house room and left them behind when he moved out. The tenant who was living there, Albert Fish. Fish had told his landlady that a check was to arrive soon for his room and that he was going to return. He left for a few days. So Detective William King waited for him. And sure enough, Fish returned and he willingly agreed to go to police headquarters for questioning, but then pulls out a razor blade. Remember how old he is? He's pretty old at this time. Yeah. Detective King easily disarmed Fish and took him to headquarters. There, he didn't even deny murdering Gracie, just mentioned he intended to murder her brother, Edward. He also confessed to dozens of other children's murders, but only three children, including Gracie, could be concretely proven to be Fish's victims. Mm -hmm. So Fish's murder trial for Gracie Budd started about uh, March 11th, 1935. The defense plagued insanity and went into how Fish's obsession with religion and sacrificial offers was why he did what he did. Psychiatrist Frederick Wortham even de detailed Fish's cannibalism, which he then linked in Fish's mind the act of communion. Don't justify this. Like, right. I, I understand that it's their job. They have to defend him. I get it. But just... Don't. There's gross, nothing right? defensible about this. No. Nothing. It's gross. You can't explain this away. It's. Yeah. Oh, man. Fish admitted to hearing voices that told him to kill children. And in the end, after being questioned about Fish's life by the defense, Wortham simply answered, he is insane. Yeah. Yeah. But despite bringing in psychiatrist after psychiatrist to support this theory, the jury felt he needed to be executed for the crimes he committed. So the verdict, sane and guilty, and the judge sentenced him to death by electrocution. His sentence was to be carried out on January 16th, 1936. And when he was getting connected to the electrodes, his last words were, I don't even know why I'm here. What do you mean you don't even know why you're here? What do you mean, you sick <laughs> SOB? <Angela's> mad. <laughs> I'm very mad. He like upsets me deeply. Oh, like, I you told don't... you these are these are not for the faint of heart. <sighs> and I am of the faint no, of I'm heart. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> told you we we're gonna do some crazy true crime. Oh my gosh. Well, he's dead. Uh, good. Yeah. But but still, poor, poor little children. 
Which leads me to my last and next case. (laughs) (laughs) Which, uh, this one's really rough too. Oh, Nicole. And you all know him? She's trying to kill me, man. I am. Okay. We're going to go into Jeffrey Dahmer. (laughs) And you all know this. This is... This case has been talked about so much in the media, TV, movies, podcasts, everything. I'm sure you've seen there's like Netflix documentaries. There's this new one that's coming out on Fox. So yeah, here's the, here's the thing. I know like the name, but you don't know about him. I vaguely know what he's done. That's all I ever wanted to know. Like I know, I know I'm going to know more now, (laughs) but like, it's so disturbing. It's so disturbing. I'm going to be like, really? What? What? I mean, a lot of it's going to be shocking to me because I don't know. This is this isn't bonkers. I, I still these true crime cases with serial killers like this. Like, I can't fathom. I can't fathom. Like, this is real. I, I, this, this sounds like a movie. All of these like crazy movies, but they're not. They're real, sadly. But okay, so okay. I'm not going to deep dive as much as everybody else does probably about him. I'm going to touch up on um, a lot of things, definitely the cannibalistic uh, aspects, because that's the theme today. Sorry. So here we go. May 21st, 1960. No, May 21st, Angel. What's that day? That's your birthday. Yeah, guess who else was born? <laughs> no, Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer <laughs> was born May 21st in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Boo. Now, there's a little debate on what type of upbringing he had, but his father ended up being a research chemist, so he was smart. His mom was a teletype machine instructor, but she was known to be very depressed and a hypochondriac. At one point, she did attempt to attempt suicide, I think twice, actually. Hmm. When Dahmer was about four years old, he watched his father remove animal bones from beneath their home, and his father saw how oddly thrilled he was by the sound the bones made, and he took to dead mm. animals with a passion. He would see animal bones and call them his fiddlesticks. Mm. He would then search for more animal bones and even explored the bodies of live animals to figure out how their skeletal structure was made. Mm. In 1968, <laughs> you are Marge. I am. In 1968, Dahmer started collecting the skeletons and bones of small animals like chipmunks and squirrels, as well as large insects. He even had some preserved in jars of formaldehyde. These relics were stored in a small hut that was just a short walk from his home in Ohio. Then when Dahmer was 10, he asked his father about what happens to bones in bleach. His father thought, you know, thinking he had a fascination with science, just like him and chemicals. So he enthusiastically demonstrated how to safely bleach and preserve animal bones. (laughs) And Dahmer used this new practice in his bone collecting. He would dissect roadkill and then bury them beside the hut, sometimes using the skulls as displays on top of makeshift crosses on the graves. Throughout high school, Dahmer was seen as intelligent but received average grades and would drink alcohol during the day in class, starting his crazy downhill spiral of alcoholism. He would drink in class? He would drink in class and call it his medicine. Oh my gosh. When he hit puberty... He did know he was gay, but started fantasizing about dominating and controlling a submissive male partner. And then it became morbid when he fantasized rendering unconscious a male jogger he was attracted to and then sexualizing him. So he ended up waiting in some bushes with a baseball bat for the jogger. Thankfully, on that particular day, the jogger did not pass by. Dahmer later admitted that this was his first attempted attack to render someone submissive. 
Mm. By Dahmer's junior year, his grades had declined and so did his parents' marriage. They ended up divorcing with his father, Lionel, moving out into a motel in early 1978. That same year, Dahmer managed to graduate from high school, but then soon after, despite court order, his mother, Joyce, moved out of the family home to live with relatives in Wisconsin and took his younger brother, David, with her. So he was living alone at home for a little bit here. Huh. Gee. Three weeks after graduation at the age of 18, Dahmer picked up a bare-chested hitchhiker named Stephen Mark Hicks, almost 19 years of age, who was on his way to a rock concert. Dahmer told Hicks they could swing back to his home to have some drinks before and that Dahmer had the house to himself. And Hicks agreed. Mm-mm. Dahmer was aroused by Hicks, but Hicks talked about ladies, so he knew he didn't have a chance. They spent at least a few hours drinking and listening to music when Hicks wanted to go, but Dahmer didn't want him to leave. So he picked up a 10-pound dumbbell and bludgeoned Hicks from behind. Mm. When Hicks fell unconscious, Dahmer proceeded to strangle him to death with the bar of the dumbbell. Oh, my gosh. After stripping Hicks' clothes off and pleasuring himself above him, he dragged Hicks' body to the basement. Now, after a good night's rest, which a lot of serial killers seem to do, Dahmer dissected Hicks' body and buried the remains in his backyard. But several weeks later, he decided to unearth the remains and pared the flesh from the bones. He ended up dissolving his flesh in acid and crushing the bones with a sledgehammer into little tiny slivers. He dissolved the flesh. Oh, the dissolved flesh went into the toilet and the crushed bones went into the woodland area Mm. behind the family home. (sighs) Dahmer was accepted into Ohio State University in Mm. hopes to major in business. But his alcoholism got worse and he failed pretty much after uh, much every course except riflery where he got a B minus. Oh, my gosh. He dropped out after that first semester and was forced to enlist in the U.S. Army by his father. He was a medical specialist. Imagine that. (laughs) And was deployed to West Germany in 1979 as a combat medic. Now, his alcoholism was still rampant. And so he was actually honorably discharged in 1981. What's crazy is his superiors thought he was unsuitable for the military service, but wouldn't have any problems as a civilian. So, <laughs> sure. Whoops. <laughs> They're like, oh, it's not our problem. Yep. We're not in civilian life. Exactly. So let him go there. Uh, a, yep. a shame to go back to his father. Dahmer, Dahmer traveled to Florida, found a job in a deli, and lived in a motel. He spent most of his money on alcohol, so he was evicted because he couldn't pay his rent. Um, He did end up living on the beach while working, but soon he did call his dad and ask to return to Ohio. Now, he was living with his father and now stepmother until later that year was arrested for disorderly conduct. Fed up, Dahmer was sent to live with his grandmother in Wisconsin because he did love her and respected her. Mm. So Dahmer's father thought it would help him change for the better. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. But he was arrested again while drunk for indecent exposure. He still lived with his grandmother. He did pick himself back together, got a job, but he began frequenting gay bars and bathhouses. He did have sexual relations with some of them, but he was known to hate how they moved. He didn't want them moving. So even after... Oh, that's so... Sick. Gross. Yeah. So even after he was arrested, he mentioned, I trained myself to view people as objects of pleasure instead of as people. Mm-hmm. So then in June 1986, he began sneaking partners sleeping pills inside their drinks. He would then do this thing when they were knocked out. 
right? Mm-hmm. There were complaints and his membership to the bathhouses were revoked. In November of 1987, Dahmer persuaded 25-year-old Stephen Twomey to come back to his hotel room at the Ambassador Hotel in Milwaukee. Dahmer was convinced he just wanted to take him back, drug him, and quote-unquote explore his body. Mm -hmm. But that following morning, Dahmer awoke on top of Twomey's dead body with his chest crushed in. Dahmer claimed he had no memory of killing Twomey and was in shock. So after stuffing his body into a suitcase and bringing it back to his grandmother's house. Oh, my gosh. She later decapitated Twomey's body, removed the arms and legs, and then filleted the bones before dicing up the flesh into manageable pieces. The flesh went into plastic bags and the bones were pounded into small splinters with a sledgehammer again, just like his other body that he did, inside a sheet. It took a matter of two hours to dismember Twomey completely. Two hours. Everything went into the trash except the head. Dahmer bleached the skull and did some pretty gross things with it before he pulverized it. Yeah. Dahmer at this point had an uncontrollable desire to repeat his patterns and brought two more victims to his grandmother's house without her even knowing for crying out loud. Granny. Yeah. He repeated the dismemberment and skull process. April of 1988. He did lure another victim to his home where Dahmer drugged his coffee, but Dahmer's grandmother called out to him and she could tell he was not alone. So he was able to drive him as he lay unconscious to the county general hospital. He got away, thankfully. Wow. Yeah, thanks, Grandma. Oh, what a lucky duck. Yes. Oh, my I'm gosh. I'm sure he counts that, you know, blessings every day. Uh, September of 1988. Dahmer's grandmother kicks him out of the house due to his heavy drinking and bringing young men to the house late at night. And she also smelled funny and foul smells from the basement and garage. Gee, Grandma, he didn't ask what those were. Now, Dahmer moved into a one-bedroom apartment at this point. Only a couple days later, Dahmer was arrested for drugging and sexually fondling a 13-year-old boy he lured in the pretext of posing for photographs. He did plead guilty, but claimed the boy appeared much older. And at this time, Dahmer's attorney had him undergo a series of psychological evaluations prior to the court hearing. It was concluded that Dahmer harbored deep feelings of alienation. That was it. (laughs) The second evaluation revealed Dahmer was impulsive, suspicious of others. That's it, too. And apparently, back in 1987, he was diagnosed with a schizoid personality disorder. But nothing came about of that. I don't. uh. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's like, it's the common, I don't understand how people can, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't. I don't people. (laughs) Nobody does. March Uh, of 1989. He moved back in with his grandmother where he then murdered another victim in that home. 24 year old Anthony Sears. Because he found him exceptionally attractive, he was the first victim in which Sears kept some of his body parts, which he placed in his work locker. What? He put body parts in his work locker? In his work locker. He kept them there. He coveted them there. Oh, no. Later, when he moved to his own place in 1990, he brought them back to his new home. Hmm. Yeah. Right before moving, Dahmer was sentenced to five years probation and one year in the House of Correction for that stunt he pulled with a 13-year-old with work release to keep his current job. Despite this, Dahmer still lured men back to his apartment and killed them. Mm. Like, he's on probation, and he's like, no, I don't care. 
His third victim in his new home, 22-year-old Ernest Miller, he ended up slashing his neck. Mm. He posed his nude body in suggestive photos, decapitated him in his bathtub, then wrapped his heart, liver, biceps, and portions of flesh from his legs in plastic bags, then placed him in the freezer for later consumption. (laughs) The remaining flesh and organs were boiled in soylax, which rendered them into a jelly-like substance, and he was able to preserve the skeleton in bleach. (laughs) He put Miller's head in the fridge before stripping it of its flesh and then painted and coated it with enamel. Oh, my gosh. He continued his horrific murders without any notice by the law. And then in 1991, he performed an experiment on 19-year-old Errol Lindsay in which he lured him into his apartment, drugged him, then drilled a hole in his skull through which he injected hydrochloric acid with a baster. (laughs) After some time, Lindsay did wake and say, I have a headache. What time is it? Oh, my God. So he's still alive, everybody. Dahmer ended up drugging him again and strangling him to death, dismembering him, and placed his skin in a solution of cold water and salt for several weeks in hopes to permanently retain it. The skin was disposed later because apparently became too frayed and brittle. Oh, man. All the while, in 1991, tenants of the Oxford Apartments did complain to the building's manager about foul smells and extremely loud noises like that of a chainsaw coming Uh from Dahmer's apartment. Uh Uh-huh. Dahmer made excuse after excuse. The first one was his freezer broke, causing all his food to be spoiled and smelled bad. Later, when asked again about the smells, he said several of his tropical fish died and he would take care of it. Oh, and they believed him. I, I just, it, it's people keep believing these uh-huh. crazy people. And it, like, isn't that the theme of our story, right? They <sighs> just help them and they don't do anything. And it gets even crazier, Angela. Oh. Still, Dahmer kept on killing without getting caught. Dahmer got close, though, May 26, 1991, when Dahmer brought home 14-year-old Conorak Synthesomphone, who, and he was a Laos boy, mm-hmm. who reluctantly returned with him to his apartment to pose for nude photos. But Dahmer drugged him, and before he fell unconscious, Dahmer knew he had seen the dead body of Tony Hughes in his bedroom. Oh, so there's a dead body in there, right. and he's unconscious. Now, Dahmer drilled a single narrow hole into the crown of Synthesomphone's skull and injected hydrochloric acid. He then left him to drink at a bar and to purchase more alcohol. So he's sitting in his apartment. He left. Mm. When he returned in the early hours of May 27th, Synthesomophone was sitting naked on the corner outside the apartment building. Three young women were trying to help him, and Dahmer said it was his drunk boyfriend and tried to take him back to his apartment. Oh, my gosh. But the ladies had already called the police. When they arrived, Dahmer again calmly explained they had too much to drink following a fight they had. And And he said, like, he does this all the time. Oh, my God. The three women kept trying to intervene and knew something was up. They even pointed out there was blood on his private areas and he was bleeding from his rectum. And it looked like he was trying to struggle against Dahmer. Mm -hmm. But the police completely ignored the women and even told them to mind their own business. F&A. Like, seriously, this pisses me off so much. Remember the misogyny we were talking about? Oh, my God. Yeah, they were like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, women. Go away. Uh, he even said, like, mind your business. I'm sorry for the loud noises. <laughs> this is so upsetting me. I'm like, I'm livid. I need to, like, punch somebody. 
punch me, please? No, 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 I won't punch you. I'm not going to punch anybody, but like, I want to punch those cops. It's oh, yeah. Just like, oh, oh this my is gosh. bad. No, I'm telling you. Uh, because then the fire department arrived, mm-hmm. tried to examine Synthesimphone uh, for injuries and provided him a yellow jacket. And one of the crew thought he did need treatment. He was like, we need to take him into well, the hospital. Dude, he's bleeding. The police told them to leave. What the hell, police? These these cops were like, we don't care. What the hell? Now, another oh police ar- officer arrived at the scene, and they all led Dahmer and Synthesimphone back to Dahmer's apartment. Dahmer, there's sh- a dead body in there. <laughs> she made her hit her <laughs> microphone. I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So get this. So, so Dahmer shows photos to the police, like the ones that he took of him earlier, saying, like, look, we're lovers. We We have a, you know, we're doing this for fun. Even one officer peeked inside Dahmer's bedroom, but completely missed the dead body on the floor. Oh, what? <laughs> they left. This is and, insane. Yeah, they left and filed the case as a domestic dispute. Oh no! Oh no! Good times. Oh, no. When left alone, Dahmer injected more hydrochloric acid into Synthesimphone's brain, which killed him. Yeah. Dahmer called in sick the next day and dismembered the bodies, but keeping both hues. Remember the one on the ground right. and Synthesimphone's skulls. He mm. took, he kept them. Now, within the following two months, I just kind of had to summarize this because it's the same story over and over. Dahmer murdered four more victims and he was fired from his job because he kept calling in sick because he had to. Yeah, he had to dismember all these exactly. bodies. Exactly. <sighs> oh, my gosh. July 22nd, 1991. Dahmer approached a few men and offered $100 to pose for nude photos, drink beer, and to keep him company. 32-year-old Tracy Edwards agreed. When they were in Dahmer's bedroom, he slapped handcuffs on Edwards' one wrist and was unable to get the other one on. Dahmer was also holding a large knife. (laughs) But Edwards was able to convince Dahmer that he was his friend and he was not going to run away. And after some kind of strange things in the living room of Dahmer having momentary lapses of concentration and even chanting to himself, Edwards knew he had to do something. So he punches him in the face and runs outside. (laughs) Boom! And out. Uh, Edwards flagged down two officers who followed him back to Dahmer's apartment because they couldn't get the handcuffs off of him. Mm-hmm. Now, even though Edwards said Dahmer had a large knife, Dahmer made no comment about it and said the key to the handcuffs was in, is in his bedside dresser. Mm-hmm. He tries to go get them, but the officers were like, no, don't you move. And one of them goes in and gets his handcuff key. But he also notices Polaroid photos many of which were Dahmer's victims in various stages of dismemberment. Mm -hmm. He shows them to his partner. They're like, yep, these are real. And once Dahmer saw this, he tried to fight the officers to resist arrest. They overpowered him, handcuffed him, and called for backup. At this time, one of the officers opens the fridge Mm. and found a freshly severed head of a black male on the bottom shelf. Yep. Dahmer, at this point, muttered, for what I did, I should be dead. Yeah, yeah. This is where it gets for him. I'm, I'm mad. Okay. So when the Milwaukee Police's Criminal Investigation Bureau came in, they found four severed heads in the kitchen, blood drippings in the tray at the bottom of the fridge, two human hearts, and a portion of arm muscle wrapped in plastic bags. In the freezer, they found an entire torso, a bag of human organs, and flesh stuck to the ice. 
In Dahmer's bedroom and closet, they found a total of seven skulls, some painted, some bleached. Then in the other parts of the apartment, they found two entire skeletons, a pair of severed hands, two severed and preserved penises, a mummified skull, and in the 57-gallon drum just sitting in his room, three dismembered torsos dissolving in acid. <laughs> now, after being interrogated, Dahmer waived his right to a lawyer and confessed that he had created this horror and it only makes sense I do everything to put an end to it. He admitted to murdering 16 men since 1987 in Wisconsin and Stephen Hicks in Ohio in 1978. He also admitted to engaging in necrophilia with several of his victims' bodies. Mm. He confessed having consumed the hearts, livers, biceps, and portions of thighs of three victims he killed at the Oxford Apartments and another victim at another location. When asked why he did this, he said it was due to curiosity and added, I suppose in an odd way, it made me feel they were even more a permanent part of me. Mm-mm. <laughs> you are not. Uh, uh, bad joke in my head. You are what you eat. Oh, no. I forgot to start this whole thing. Uh-huh. Two cannibals are eating a clown. One cannibal says to the other, does this taste funny to you? Stop it. <laughs> I wanted to start with that, but I forgot. So there you go. <laughs> Made her snort. All right. <laughs> I don't know if I'm laughing or crying right now. I was like so upset. Uh, okay. Whoa. Then when asked why he preserved so many skulls and two and two and two entire skeletons, he replied he had been in the process of constructing a private altar of victim skulls, which he had intended to display on the black table located in his living room, and upon which he had photographed the bodies of many of his victims. He even went on to say the altar was to be dedicated to himself and the altar would be a place for meditation where he could draw a sense of power. Oh, gosh, this is it's so sick. Like, uh, it's, it's very so sickening. sick. How are people wired like that? It's so sick. I don't they're not wired. That's the problem. <sighs> January 30th, 1992. Dahmer was tried in Milwaukee for 15 counts of first degree murder. The attorneys debated if Dahmer suffered from a mental or personality disorder and if, and if it was insanity due to the necrophilic drive. But prosecution argued he was sane when he committed the murders, that he was calculating and a cunning individual. And forensic psychiatrist Park Dietz argued Dahmer went to great lengths to be alone with his victims to have no witnesses and that his crimes were not impulsive. No, they weren't impulsive. And I don't think it matters at this point because like, obviously he's done all of these things. Yep. Like it doesn't matter why. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter why he did it. But in, in, in court, no, no, it's crazy. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I agree. I agree. I totally agree. But I don't know why I'm yelling at you. In court, <laughs> they got to do it. That's crazy. no. He also noted Dahmer identified with the villains of The Exorcist 3, which was playing when Edwards came to his apartment, uh. and Return of the Jedi, particularly the level of power they possessed. Others went on the stand to agree with Dietz, and the trial lasted for two weeks. On February 15th, Dahmer was ruled sane, but each of the 15 counts of murder to jurors signified their dissent. I don't know why the why? trial was postponed. And on February 17th, 
Dahmer addressed the court with a statement he prepared himself. Oh, God. He basically said he did not desire freedom and wished for his own death. He also believed his behavior was due to mental disorders and understands why society would never forgive him, but he hoped God would. Nope. No. No. This no. is going to make you very mad. So Dahmer was sentenced to life imprisonment plus 10 years upon the first two counts. The remaining 13 counts carried a mandatory sentence of life imprisonment plus 70 years. Dahmer's father and stepmother were there, and they were able to have a 10-minute private meeting before he was taken away. He was tried later for Stephen Hicks, and he pleaded guilty. In jail, Dahmer was able to get a copy of the Bible and devoted himself to Christianity and became no. a born-again Christian. No. No. His father. No. His father. No. <laughs> I knew you'd be mad at no. that. No. His father did urge him at the same time to read creationist books from the Institution of Creation Research. He was baptized in May of 1994. I'm going to throw up. I no. know. July 3rd, 1994. An inmate attempted to slash Dahmer's throat with a razor embedded in a toothbrush, but only received superficial wounds. Dahmer's opinion was he was ready to accept any punishment by his fellow inmates and even told his mother in a phone call he didn't care if anything happened to him. November 28th, 1994. Dahmer was found severely bludgeoned about the head and the face in the prison gym bathroom floor. His head had also been repeatedly struck against the wall. Dahmer was still alive when found, but died when rushed to a nearby hospital one hour later. From Dahmer's wishes in his will, his body was cremated. When Dahmer's mother, Joyce, was interviewed, she said, now is everybody happy? Now that he's bludgeoned to death, is that good enough for everyone? Well, the response of Dahmer's victims' families were mixed. Some actually celebrated, but others were sad, like Catherine Lacey, mother of Oliver Lacey, whose head was found in Dahmer's fridge. She responded, the hurt is worse now because he's not suffering like we are. So in conclusion of all this, lastly, the Oxford apartments where Dahmer murdered 12 of his victims was demolished in November of 1992. What I know of now, the site is just a vacant lot. And in 1996, a group of Milwaukee businessmen raised more than $400,000 to purchase all the items Dahmer used for his crimes, including Why? blades, saws, handcuffs, and his refrigerator. They ended up destroying them in an effort to distance the city from the horrors of Dahmer's actions okay. and the ensuing media circus surrounding his trial, according to biography.com. Okay. That's fine. Right? That's fine. That's a good thing, right? Yeah. Um, and it's good that they demolished the apartment because yes. I'm sure there would be so many sick people that are like, I want to live in Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment or I want to go destroy it and do all kinds of... Oh, so many different things. But yeah, no, they're like, nope, we got to tear it down now. So there you go. That was that was in a nutshell. Dude, there's so much about I believe that it was in a cases, nutshell. Thank you for making that one in a nutshell for me. You're welcome. I've been dreading knowing stuff about Dahmer yep. for a long time. And <sighs> true crime kills me. It <laughs> <laughs> It's like it fascinating me. to read, but having to do it it's tough uh, i tell you that all the time so just a heads up just so that you 
as our, our um, stitchers know, we always talk about like we do we need to do more true crime, but what I like to do usually is link it to paranormal activity, right? Right. So right, right. when it's just like straight up true crime, uh, it's hard, man. It's hard. It's hard, and um, but morbidly fascinating. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand how people can do that to to people. It. I don't. I will never understand. Oh it. no. I. Because it's, again, they're, they're just, there's, there's no soul. There's like something's me. happening in there that like, yeah. there's no, it hurts it's so, so much. much disconnect. And like, and it's, it's even more upsetting when they get chance after chance after chance and people yes. just like ignore. Have you noticed that was the my signs. theme throughout yes. all of them pretty and much? People just ignore the signs and yeah. they don't want to see what's happening yeah. and they don't want to stop it. Terrible or police, up man. Just, like, oh my God. I can't believe you missed a dead body in a, in a room. <sighs> So, oh, yeah, it's upsetting. Yeah. All right. But we're done now. We're done. Hey, no more <laughs> cannibal stories. We're done. We made it through. Okay, Stitchers. So here we go. Um, <laughs> if you want to reach out to us and, and give me some words of encouragement, because my soul <laughs> is hurting right now. Um, you can email us at the ominous stitch at gmail.com. You can also jump over to podbean.com and see any show notes that we have for this episode or any previous episodes, any pictures, any stitches that we do, anything. You can go there and see what we got going on. You can also become a patron and help us keep this thing going. On our Podbean site, there's a little button you can click on the upper right-hand corner that says become a patron. If you're on your phone, it is a little red button that you can click on to help you become a patron and help support our podcast and keep us going. Jump on any of our social medias and see any pictures or interact with us in any way possible because we love our stitchers and we want to talk to you guys. Yeah. um, Make us happy and you're the reason why we do this podcast. Okay. Are we ready for movie time? (laughs) (laughs) I got to throw up. I know. Yes. Yes. Let's let's move on. We are going to do Hannibal. It's movie time. Movie time. This week's movie review, Hannibal, released in 2001, IMDb rating of 6.8 stars, and the synopsis. Living in exile, Dr. Hannibal Lecter tries to reconnect with now-disgraced FBI agent Clarice Starling and finds himself a target for revenge from a powerful victim. Yeah, okay. So... I wanted to mention during story time when we kind of I mentioned this during the music break is I've been crocheting this whole time that the whole Nicole's time been she's telling doing. me stuff because I need to do it so like I understand why people listen to true crime and crochet because you need to like keep your hands going <laughs> you gotta keep it does, something it does, like it does work well on something else right <laughs> it does work well that way um and it kept me from truly sobbing and vomiting in my mouth but (laughs) speaking of sobbing and vomiting in my mouth let's talk about Hannibal (laughs) this movie is a far cry from the silence of the lambs isn't it yeah Yeah. well first of all I love Julianne Moore but not she's not starling and that just ruined the whole chemistry for it me. did ruin everything yeah. right so I read about this so Jodie Foster was approached to do this movie but her reasoning was she was um, re- she was working on a different movie at that time, which actually didn't even end. It ended up not even working out. But 
I think that was a good excuse for her because she knew that this movie was, it wasn't the same director. Yeah. And it was, to me, it was a money grab. It was a cash yeah, grab. Yeah. So it's a number sequel. We're, we're, it's oh, a, yeah. Was, you know, they got five Oscars. We can do this again. Yeah. And she didn't want to do it. So I kind of, I applaud her for just saying no because well, she's got morals for it. Yeah. And it totally just messes up her character. Big totally time. messes and up. And it's so freaking upsetting. Because like, okay, first of all, we're going back into the whole misogyny thing. This is like way more exaggerated in this movie where nobody she's in command her her whole career starts crumbling because she's in command of something that goes wrong because spoiler alert the men don't want to listen to her the stupid cop didn't stand down when he was supposed to and then they blame the whole thing on her yeah which is ridiculous because she did exactly what she should she didn't kill the baby which is amazing she shot like and she got shot yes many times and was able to not only rescue the baby and save the baby, but diffuse the situation before that crazy mama started killing more people. So, I mean, to me, she didn't do anything wrong. She absolutely didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, no. She wanted to... She did her job. And she even said it was the cop. And they were like, again, that misogynistic approach. Yeah. Oh, no, it was you. You did everything. Yeah, like, you no. were in charge. Like, no. She yeah, she was in charge. To back it down. And then the cop wouldn't listen to he her. He didn't listen to yeah, her. Yeah, so whatever. <laughs> whatever. Whatever. But, um, yeah, this... Uh, yeah, you like you said, Julianne Moore is a great actress. But she's they, not starling. That's the only not. problem. She did. She did fine. She did, she did fine. great. She's not starling. No, Jodie Foster will forever be starling. And then Hannibal's character got like it, it just changed him, too, in a way. It was it was weird. And then the violence that ensued was like not I don't know. It, it's it wasn't as poetic justice as it was in this. this I guess at the end it is. But this movie yeah. was just not the same. I was so frustrated it's not the same. They they took they took the story, they made it very grotesque and very um, exaggerated. Yep. And instead of the Silence of the Lambs, where it was more psychological, yeah. and you imagined most of the horror that went on. Sure. Um, they're more visual with it here. This one is insanely visual. Yeah. It's like we're gonna show you how he kills yeah. people and all that stuff. Yeah, and so Ray Liotta has to play this just terrible character. And if you haven't seen it, go see it. But we're going to spoil it. I don't care. So he gets it in the end, <laughs> thankfully. Yeah. That's the only kind of justice you kind of get in this. like Just like in the last one where he was chasing down his um, the the doctor that was, you know, terrible. Yeah, He chases down him. But again, though, there's like a lot of holes in this. Like, how did, he, how it's did, not a sexual real okay that made me upset too it's not a sexual relationship between Lecter and no, Clarice no it, never it's was. not it never was no and then and, how does he get around though how did he travel <laughs> like how is this like most wanted FBI you know well like, I because he stole IDs and he keeps changing his name so like guess, at the end but, of the at the end of, of um Silence of the Lambs he stole an ID right but he still looks the same when he he's looks traveling the same yeah absolutely like he, he, lo- he didn't same. change anything about when he like at the end he escapes right yeah he looks exactly the same. he does look exactly the same <laughs> and he cuts his hand and I'm sure like yeah, all the FBI people <laughs> told like you know like hey APB there's this you know wanted most wanted criminal out there without a hand and yeah, he gets on it's, a plane <laughs> it's insane how he 
stayed free for as long as he's stayed free. I mean, yeah, he laid low and moved to Europe. Sure. But, like, he didn't really lay low because we know that he killed his old doctor. Right. Um, And he's killing people. Yeah. This movie was so silly. And then the whole, like, it was his old victim that chased him down. And and they're raising pigs to eat people. (laughs) That was so absurd. Yeah. That was so, that was so silly. I don't know. This movie was just over the top and it didn't didn't hold well and I didn't like that I was sad yeah 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 it made me very sad yeah how many stitches would you give it so I I'm you know six is uh maybe a five I think it would go five four and a half to five somewhere around there okay I don't think quite a six there I mean it's there's moments that are that are beautiful and that are like really cool like I really like the opera I like the music oh of course I mean, that's me yeah but um and I and like the, the art, music yeah. and, and the art it's very sure. artfully done but it's over the top grotesque yeah. it's not starling no I the misogyny is insane it's just a little bit way over the top too much yeah yeah I give it a four yeah I didn't like it I oh I love Anthony Hopkins, but man, they just, they, they really just changed this whole movie. And it did, apparently made so much money because everyone's so eager to see a sequel. Yeah, they wanted to see a sequel, so right. everyone went to see it. Right, and you but know, then they were like, oh, this is, what? Not the same. <laughs> Not yeah. the same. So, yeah, definitely yes for Silence of the Lambs. Uh, for me, no for Hannibal. Yeah. Womp, womp, womp. Can you, and you can crochet to this. Oh, yeah, you can crochet to it. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely did, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. so, all right. Well, I guess we've reached the end of another amazing episode, Stitchers. We did it. Thank you for sticking through all of the uh, insaneness of today. And so much insanity. Enjoy the rest of your Friday the 13th, people. Ooh, I hope it's not as spooky as crazy serial killers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stay away from crazy serial killers. <laughs> they all know they're around. <laughs> Stay away from crazy serial killers. Do not get in a car with strangers. Please don't. Yeah. Don't let your kids go with strangers. Yeah. Please don't. (sighs) Okay. And until next time, we'll see you, Stitchers. See you, Stitchers. (laughs) 